So I learned a ton uh, in a year and a half, just so much information, really felt like I progressed so far in my career in a relatively short amount of time. A year and a half after I started, I got a call from our senior associate asking the attorneys to come in before staff. I could you know, improve on things. I thought it was maybe something that I had done wrong. So we get in there and that was not at all the case. Our founding partner had committed suicide. Alex Williams here to welcome you back to Broken Bulbs, a show for entrepreneurs, creators, and builders who need to keep it real. Today, I'm joined once again by Catherine Burmeister, who previously featured on episodes 167 and 244 of Broken Bulbs, so make sure you go back and check those out as well. As an attorney, she is a tireless advocate for her clients. As a human being, she channels her passion for others into animal rescue charities and other good causes. She's an entrepreneur, author, and a speaker on beating adversity and women's self-care. But the firm she worked at was failing, and she couldn't save it. That's coming up after the break. Real quick before we get into today's show, we all know that I like having recurring guests, but I've also started having guests on a bonus podcast called Bright Bulbs. It's a little bit more chill, a little bit more relaxed, and we have a lot of fun talking about silly ideas and creative projects we may or may not ever get into. If you want to access this special bonus podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Alex Williams. That's W-I-L-L-I-A-M-N-S. Or just click the first link in the show notes. Thanks for your support. Now, enjoy the show. Catherine Burmeister, ready to talk about another one of your broken bulbs? I am. All right. So let's talk about you trying and then failing to save this firm that you were working at. Fill us in. I mean, you're you're back. You're practicing law. You're probably excited. Where did this start? Where did it end? This was my dream job. I was finally in a place that really was a good fit for me. The partner had been practicing for 30 years. He was very well respected in the community. He had two other associates close to my age, so it was nice to have colleagues that were around my age and could relate. And he really taught us the right way to practice law, and he let us do, as opposed to just keeping us under his thumb. He actually let us practice by doing. So I learned a ton uh, in a year and a half, just so much information, really felt like I progressed so far in my career in a relatively short amount of time. And... A year and a half after I started, I got a call from our senior associate asking the attorneys to come in before staff. And in my mind, uh, because I always think there's something I should be doing better, I could, you know, improve on things. I thought it was maybe something that I had done wrong. And I was also the newest, the youngest, the least experienced. So we get in there and that was not at all the case. Our founding partner had committed suicide. He had been stealing from clients for eight years. So we knew this only because he had left notes. He left a note for us. He left a note for the State Bar Association uh, detailing that basically if it was between going to prison and this route of him taking his life, he was going to do that. So needless to say, it was a shock. Um, And then beyond that, the fact that we still had a firm that had to operate. Nothing you know, stops. It's not like we, we make widgets and can cut off production for a few days. No, we, the court system keeps moving regardless of what we were doing. So we had all of those cases, plus having to process emotionally what happened with our partner, plus having to process the logistics of how we continue a firm when none of us have any idea 
about running a firm, first of all. Second of all, we don't have access to any of the financial things to do what we needed to do. Um, ultimately, the senior associate, myself, and a paralegal went off and continued the firm. And I ended up running that firm for that next year. And the reason being, even though we had this other associate that had his name was on the door, he checked out mentally and physically. He just was not participating. And we all were going through the same tragedy. We were all processing a lot of emotions. So I'm not uh, unaware of that fact. But again, we all were. And we all still had jobs to do and people to try and take care of. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot for me to be taking on as a very new attorney. And of course, thankfully, I had been dealing with my um, anxiety and depression proactively over the years. So I was in therapy already, thank God. Um, but it was very much a, you know, operating adrenaline type of situation. That's, that's just one foot in front of the other day to day waking up, what are we dealing with next? Because it was almost as if some catastrophe out of that situation came every day. And so after a year, I was halfway around the world. And my paralegal calls me. And I said, I, I appreciate you. But why are you calling me when you know I'm halfway around the world? And she said, I can't get a hold of our partner. And I said, Okay, she said, it's an emergency, I need to get approval to do this, or we're gonna malpractice. Yes, go ahead, give her the permission to do it. And my partner knew I was gonna obviously be out of the country knew I wasn't really gonna be accessible. And he just was MIA was not available for my paralegal. So I got back in town and I was going to talk to him about this. And then he was on a retreat in South Georgia, a silent retreat to decompress and, you know, I don't know, find himself. And I'm not saying that because I don't think that's important. I'm saying that tone because we were all dealing with our issues and you can't just check out and leave everybody hanging, especially when your name's on the door. Um, so he got back in town and everything just hit me. I was halfway through a day, I think it was on a Monday, and it just as if I got everything almost seemed foggy. I couldn't process a single thought. I couldn't think about what I needed to do next. I just knew I needed to leave and I needed to go home. And thankfully, I was aware enough to know that I was having suicidal ideations at that point. I it's not that I didn't want to be here. I was so tired. I was so exhausted that the only way I knew not to have to deal with that was to not be here in, in essence. And thankfully, I didn't know enough to know that I was there. So I called my husband home from work and he came home and we processed it together. And thankfully, the next morning, it's as if a switch had been flipped. Everything seemed crystal clear everything was very evident and I felt comfortable doing what I needed to do because it's completely different to know you need to do something for yourself um, and actually doing it or believing it, right? So I felt comfortable saying, this is not what I'm gonna do anymore. I'm gonna start my own firm when I never wanted my own firm or my own business. I just was so tired of being um, beholden to somebody else and having the rug jerked out from underneath me that I knew this was something I needed to try at this point. First having, you know, this is your dream job and then being set on this roller coaster where you're suddenly given all this additional responsibility that you weren't even looking for, right? You were doing your dream job and then you're giving all this responsibility and now you go off and practice on your own. What lesson do you pull from this and what advice would you pull from this to, to pass on to the audience? Don't live a life that is not fulfilling. 
And the reason I say that is I continued on a path, obviously for a relatively short amount of time of a year, pushing myself and feeling like I had to be all these things. In reality, my entire life had been that way. I'd always thought I needed to be more. I should be this. I shouldn't be that. I wasn't enough. And what ultimately happened when I wrote my book, Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo, is about my experience of hitting what I call my rock bottom. And when I wrote it, I finally realized what had happened and why it seemed like a switch had been flipped. I'd finally proven to myself that I was enough. And up until that point, I hadn't really believed that, even though I'd gone above and beyond what most people would ever do. Um, And that's when I realized that living a life that was unfulfilling was probably the most tragic thing that you could do. And thankfully, I realized early on in my life that that's not what I wanted. But other people need to realize that that's not something you have to do. And it's not something you should want to do. Because none of us know how long we have here. And I think none of us would say, yes, on my deathbed, I really wish I'd worked more and been more unhappy. No, you're, of course, going to wish you had a fulfilling life. doesn't mean that you don't have to have responsibilities and that you don't have to pay your bills, but it does mean that you can live a life of happiness, which is the best version of yourself, and live it in a way that's healthy and encounters adversity in a way that's easily processed and doesn't become absolutely debilitating. And of course, at the end of the day, you continue to move on. You continue to live your life to the fullest. So tell us about your book. And I guess you already told us a little bit about your book. So tell us about your book and where it is that we can go find you and the rest of your work. Yes, Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo. Like I said, it's the backdrop is the story about how I came to have my own practice. But it's really also helpful to because it points out to people where to start this process of overcoming your own addiction to the status quo, which I define as internal and external societal expectations of what you should or shouldn't be in life. Um, you can also find it on Amazon, like I said, but you also can find it from my website, Catherine Burmeister, all my socials on there, and you can get linked to my law firm website as well. Fantastic. And I'm going to have links to all of that and more down in the show notes so that it's easy for people to go and seek you out and to get a copy of your book. So with that, I just want to say once again, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. And thank you for listening. Don't live a life that isn't fulfilling. Special thank you to Catherine for joining me and being willing to talk about her broken bulbs. Be sure to check out her work, which of course I have linked in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from Catherine on broken bulbs, make sure you check out episodes 167 and 244. And if you want to offer support beyond leaving a review and sharing the show, please visit Patreon via the first link in the show note. As a thank you for your support, you'll get a postcard from me wherever I am to wherever you are. Broken Bulbs is produced by Mecco Radio, and we are, of course, a proud member of the Create Vine. I, Alex Williams, was your host. The podcast artwork is by Bethany Gustafson, and the music we use is by Brian Claxton and Wesley Thomas. Oh, and thanks again for listening. Mecco.